Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. With you, just to write down the name Ted and Ida. And when you are praying this week, would you just take a few extra moments and pray for them? Because they are just incredible people and we're watching God move in big ways. Ted, like I said, works a full-time job. He's also doing schooling through River School of Ministry because he, he wants to become a pastor. And uh, the, the hope and the goal in that is as soon as he's done with that, we'll be able to, to just come alongside them. And, and instead of them watching every week, uh, Video-wise, they will be able to have their own services there. They're already working on a worship team and all of that stuff. So it's really exciting to see what God is doing. But with that, how many of you know that when you start stepping into God's call, the enemy wakes up and he starts pressing in. And so we just need to be praying for them and just praying a blessing and a covering over them. Amen? You know, I, I was just upstairs just a few moments ago in my office, and, uh, and there was a letter sitting on my desk, and so I opened it up, and, and lately we've been receiving more and more mail coming from the, the jail. I'm supposed to release brake line. They're like doing calisthenics back there. <laughs> I should have let you keep going for a while. That was good exercise for you. Uh, brake liners, you are dismissed at this time, grades four, five, and six. You can tell I'm not used to doing that. Uh, we appreciate our brake liners. We appreciate, they are, they are busting at the seams up there. Uh, it's really cool to see. So thank you, Jordan. You're amazing. And uh, we appreciate our team that helps her out. Uh, anyhow, I was upstairs and I was, I was looking through some mail and, and there was a letter there. And we've been getting more and more letters from uh, the jail and from uh, Deer Lodge. And, and this one I opened up and I began to read and the, this guy's saying how he watches on the tablets. For those of you who don't know, we, we, are, we are partnered with a system to where those who are incarcerated in Montana can, can open up in their, uh, on a tablet that they can check out and they're able to watch our church services in some of the jails. I know that in Deer Lodge, if they watch, they actually get credit to use the tablet longer because they, they know that this would be good for them. And so it's an amazing opportunity that we have. But this gentleman's writing to me, and he's saying that he is, he is going to be incarcerated for uh, another, I believe, like 14 years, and how, how much it means to him that he can watch church on the tablet, and, and that he's getting so much out of it. And he said, when I get out of this, I'm looking for a home church, but Missoula is a little bit of a distance from, for me, so I may need some help in figuring that out and all these things. And so I'm reading it. And then I look at the address, and it's South Carolina. So we're actually in a jail in South Carolina, apparently, as well. And so I, we just need to keep praying because God is just going to continue to grow this thing and use this thing. And we've got, we've got inmates that are corresponding on a regular basis, and we just started a new ministry that they'll be sent uh, uh, they'll be sent basically a discipleship program that they fill out and they send it back to us. And we've got a young lady that's passionate about this. And so she's going to be correcting them and sending them back and just having this, not only just correspondence, but really a discipleship program within the jail and prison system. How awesome is that? Amen. Um, and we've got some other updates that are coming as far as what's going to happen in the Deer Lodge prison system as well. And we just are excited to see all that God is doing. And we're just going to keep saying yes when God puts a door open in front of us. Amen. Um, I wanted to give you a little update before we jump into the word today. And that is 
Uh, last weekend, if you were with us, I talked about the perspective change of the way that we see our finances and the way that we need to treat our money. And, and in that, I gave you the illustration where I had, I had $100 of ones, and I, I brought somebody in each of the gatherings up on the stage, and I said, listen, uh, I want you to understand that if this was my money and I was giving this to you and I gave you certain instructions, would you do that if I said you can do with whatever else you want with the rest of the money? And so I had a couple of young men that I brought up, and, and one of them I, I gave the $100 to. I said, the only thing that I, that I require or ask of you for sure is that you tithe 10%. And then I said, the other thing is I just want you to know who I am and what's important to me. And one of those things is generosity. And then the only other thing that I asked of them is to write me during the week and tell me what they did with the $100. And I said, you can do whatever. And afterwards, I talked to them, and I said, you guys can do with it whatever you want. It's fine. The only thing that I, I'm asking for sure is that you tithe the 10%. And so I got, I got a text message early in the week, and it was from one of the young men, and he said, hey, I, I took the money, and I tithed 15% right out of the chute. And then he said, I went and I, I bought myself a guitar holder for the wall that I could mount my guitar to the wall, and that was $15. He, he listed everything out for me. And then he said, and then I have a teacher at school that needed a, she's been talking about having a Ninja Bullet blender, and I knew she wanted that really badly, so I ordered her one, and, uh, and that was all the money. So he used all the money. Most of it was to be generous to somebody else. And the other young man then told me uh, on Friday that he said that he took the money and he tithed 20% and he then, um, he took that and he said, I'm going to go find some need. So he drove around, he said, for a couple hours trying to find a need to fill and eventually he came across a, a homeless gentleman who was standing on the side of the street. So he asked, can I buy you a meal? And so the, the gentleman wanted McDonald's. So this young man drove to McDonald's, got him a meal and that while he was in line to buy the meal, he looked behind him and there was a, a dad with a few kids and so he, said, he told the person at the window, hey, I want to buy that family's meal as well. And so he bought their meal, and he said when he was all said and done with those things, he had $27 left, which was exactly what he needed to go get his haircut. And so I think that's pretty incredible, actually. I'm just telling you right now, I, I think that's $200 well spent because the mom of the first young man who bought the thing for the teacher said that he was so excited and he couldn't wait for the thing to come so he could give it to his teacher because he just was excited about what it felt like to be generous and to have something to give to somebody else. How many of you know if we can learn that at a young age, it's a game changer, right? And so I'm just really excited about that and I'm thankful that, that they, they heard the lesson and they also lived it out, Amen. Well, we're in this series that we call Perspective, and I want to take a few moments today, and I want to look at God's Word, and I want to look at something that maybe you've not spent much time thinking about or hearing about in your past, but in the Bible, we learn that there are, that there are these spiritual beings that we call angels, and God created them before he even created humanity, and there were uh, three chief angels in God's government, and they're called archangels, and uh, these are kind of the big dogs of the kingdom. They're the ones that are in charge in different areas. And so I want us to look at these angels today because there's something that I think that we can have a little bit of, of a perspective change if we truly understand the history of this and the way that it worked. So as we look at scripture, we see that there are three archangels that are listed in scripture. The, one is Gabriel, one is Michael, and one is Lucifer. 
And uh, we find that these three archangels have different roles. So as we look at it, we see that Gabriel is basically like the communications director. He's kind of the, he's the one that would be like the press secretary um, that never circles back to anything. Um, moving on. Uh, so Gabriel will show up and he'll, he'll announce what God has. He'll come into the story and he'll say, hey, this is, this is what God says, right? And that's his job. And then as we look at it, we see that Michael is essentially the warrior angel. So he is the one that is in charge of the army. We see him in Daniel chapter 10 specifically and a few other places in scripture. He's kind of the enforcer. So when God says, hey, I need you to go and you're going to fight this battle, he is the one that will send out he will send out the, the angels to go and do what needs to be done. And then lastly, there's Lucifer, and the Bible describes him this way. In Ezekiel chapter 28, it says this, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. I want to take a moment right now, and I just want us to pray, because as we look at God's word today, I believe that there's something that each of us needs to understand about who we are to be, and as we look at God's creation. So will you just join me with me for just a moment? God, we're so grateful because you're so good, and you love us so much, and you have amazing plans for us, and, and Lord, there's not one of us that's going to hear this message today that was an accident. We didn't you didn't accidentally create us, but God, you created us on purpose. And so, Father, I just pray that whoever is, is hearing this today, whether they're in the room or whether they're in Star Valley or in Alaska or Malawi or in the jail system or just at home today, I pray, God, that your, your word will not return void, but, God, that you will speak through me and, Lord, that they will hear who, you, who they are in you. God, we just praise you for that. I pray all distractions will be set aside and that we'll hear exactly what we need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we learn that Lucifer is perfect in beauty. Uh, the, this scripture, this translation says timbrels, which, which actually means tambourines. And I don't know if that means that he had tambourines attached to his body. I don't know exactly what that looks like. But basically, he was created to be beautiful and to be a, a musical being. Many Bible scholars believe that God created Lucifer to be his top praise and worship leader in heaven. And this means that he would have been very close to God. He would have spent time in God's presence. He would have been in the throne room, would probably be where he would spend most of his time. But something went horribly wrong in his heart, and he, he, he came to a place where he began to believe that he was better than God. So... Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17 says this, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You, corrupt, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And then in Isaiah chapter 14, it says it this way, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. So in other words, um, Lucifer came to a place where God had created him with a specific thing in mind. He said, I'm going to make you beautiful. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you the, the worship leader of heaven. I'm going to put you as one of the top three. You're going to be in the top three of my government. And, and out of that, Lucifer began to believe himself to be better than God. And so as he did that, he decided one day that he was going to, he was going to uh, 
to go against the creator, that everybody should worship him instead of worshiping God. And so as we look at this story, we see that, that there was a rebellion that incited and that, that he decided he was going to go against God. And so in Revelation chapter 12, starting with verse 7, it says this, Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. And he, uh, and he uh, and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. So Lucifer has this plan. He says, listen, I think I'm better than God. And so everybody should instead worship me. And so he decides that he's going to make his move. And we see in scripture here that Michael and, his, and the angels war against him. And eventually Lu Lucifer is thrown out of heaven. He's thrown down to earth. And uh, so the plan didn't work the way that he thought it was going to work. I can only imagine that this must have been a moment where Lucifer had to figure out what life was going to look like. He was designed and created for a very specific purpose. And now because of his pride and because of the way he feels about himself, he changes what he's going to do. Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So we see that even Jesus says, hey, this is something that actually happened. Sometimes we can read these stories and we go, oh, it's almost like it's a fairy tale. This isn't a fairy tale. These are true stories. This is what took place. So we've got these three archangels, and one of them is supposed to be the worship leader. He's created in beauty and splendor. He begins to think himself better than God, and so he changes the story, and he gets kicked out of heaven. Now, in this moment, I can only imagine Lucifer must have been thinking to himself, who will ever replace me? Like, look at me. I'm amazing. I'm so good. And I've been created to do this thing. And now they, they've kicked me out. So now they're really hurting because I'm not there anymore. And so as we look at scripture, what I want us to understand today is that God, we don't see anywhere in scripture where God promotes another angel to become an archangel. We don't, you don't read that anywhere. We don't see that God goes, oh, shoot, Lucifer's gone. So now I need to find somebody else who can be my worship leader. Instead, we look at this, and God didn't promote any other angel to take Lucifer's place. Instead, God created something entirely new, something entirely different to love and to lead creation in worship and praise. He created you and me. So today, I want us to have a perspective change. I want us to talk a little bit about worship. Now, Lots of times during this message, I'm going to refer to what happens here, but this is just a small part of worship because worship is actually a lifestyle for us. Worship is something that should be ongoing. It shouldn't just be that on Sunday mornings from this time to this time, and boy, you screwed up my worship time today because you only let them do two songs instead of three songs, and so now that's all the worship. No, worship should be something that is a lifestyle. It should be something that you live, but there will be times today that as we talk about it, I will refer to this because I think it's easy for us to wrap our minds around it. He created humanity to love him, to represent him, and to praise him with our lives. Praise and worship to God is what we were actually created for. Romans says, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let him be a living and holy let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
So I want us to think about this for a moment because uh, if God said, I've created you to worship me, I've created you to take Lucifer's place. Lucifer's only job was he would stand in the throne room of God and he would lead in worship and praise 24-7. And Lucifer falls from from heaven and now we find ourselves in this position where God says, you know what, I'm going to create a new being. And that being's job is going to be to worship me. Now, if you, those of you who've been at River for uh, a few years, you know that we went through a season where we didn't have a worship pastor, and so we were, we were on the hunt, and we had an amazing team of people who filled in to make things happen, but we found uh, Pastor Seth and Mona in Chicago, <laughs> cheering for Seth and Mona, not for Chicago. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if he's in the room. Um, but uh, when we brought him on the team, we said, hey, listen, this is the deal. We want you to be our worship pastor. And, and obviously, there's other pastoral jobs that come with that. But a big part of your job is going to be that you'll be here on Saturday nights with us, and you'll lead in worship and praise. And you'll be here on Sunday mornings with us, and you'll lead in worship and praise. You're going to come alongside the youth worship team and help them in whatever way they need help. You're going to train up people for worship and for praise. And what if we hired them, we got them all moved here, got them all settled in, and then and then uh, Seth just like, you know what, I, I'm not really that big into worship. I just don't really feel like I want to do that. I kinda, I've got other stuff that I'd like to be involved in, but I don't really, how many of you know that wouldn't have really worked for us, right? Why? Because we specifically brought him here for that. God specifically created you for that. So how many times are we actually not stepping into what God specifically created us for? There's something important about our praise. What transformed a worshiping angel into a devil? It was pride. It was coming to a place of saying, I don't want to worship. I want to be worshiped. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He has set you apart to show forth praise into a dark and dying world. So I was thinking about that verse, and and I love it when somebody comes to church and they accept Jesus. So somebody will come to church, and I love it when it's somebody who's maybe got their guard up about church. And then they'll come in and they'll hear that, oh, God loves me and he sees me and he understands that I'm a mess and that I've done stupid stuff, but yet he still wants relationship with me. And out of that, they accept Christ into their life. And I love it when you see that, that light turn on inside of them and they begin to go, man, God, you are so worthy of my praise because I am so unworthy to be in your presence. And that's an amazing moment. And as we look at this verse, we see that it says that we should be praising him because he's called us out of darkness. And even as I say that today, there are so many of you that sit in this room or that are watching online that you're in a place where you know that your life was a mess, that you were, you were, you were it's, it's a miracle that you're even here because you should probably be dead by the way you were living your life. Can I just tell you that I said something like that on on last night and our Saturday night crowd, I think, is a lot more. They've come from a lot darker place. So that was like the biggest amen that I got all night last night. They're like, yeah, I'm a mess. Yeah, I was almost dead. Uh, But 
there's this realization inside of us that we, get, that we go, man, God, you are so good that you would see through my stuff and my junk and yet you love me still and that you desire relationship with me. And so, God, I want to praise you with all that I am because you've called me out of darkness. It was years ago that I, I went on one of the trips that I've gone to on the, to the Dream Center and it was one of actually my first trip that I ever went to the Dream Center. And back then, they used to take these buses and they would go into the neighborhood and they'd pick up kids and bring them back to church. And they would do kids' church on Saturday. And so we were, we were instructed to get onto this specific bus and, and we would go into the neighborhoods and we would walk the neighborhoods and, and go and find kids that needed a ride and we'd bring them to church. And so I was on the bus and there was this young lady. She was 19 years old. She was sitting in front of me. And it didn't take long before I realized that she was actually the one that was in charge of our specific bus. And so as we were sitting there, I had learned early on going to the Dream Center that you ask people what's their story. And so I, she was sitting in front of me and I said, I said, hey, tell me your story. And she began to tell me her story, which was a horrible story. It was a story of, of coming from a place where from the age of 14 years old, she had been prostituted and she had lived her whole life that way and didn't know anything different. And, and in, this, in, in this amazing moment where God stepped into her story and she accepted Christ and, and moved into the Dream Center and now is becoming a leader. And it was just incredible to hear. And I remember leaving, leaving that bus ride and and that night there was a church service and so I was sitting in church and she was a few rows in front of me and, and worship team was just getting ramped up and started to go and, and people that were there that, that you know, were like, oh, some of you are this way, you come into church and you need at least one or two songs to warm up before you'll start to actually engage. And I'm just telling you, like from the first, first strum of the guitar and the, and the first note that was sung, this young lady was out in the aisle and she was laying on her face in the aisle and she was praising and crying. And I thought to myself, this woman understands that she's been called out of darkness and that God sees her and loves her. And because of that, she doesn't care what anybody else thinks. All she knows is I'm gonna worship my God. Because he is so good. You need to understand that praise is our purpose. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's commanded in scriptures. We are justified to glorify. We have been washed to worship. You see, when we accept Christ into our life and he does what only he can do, he takes the junk that, we, that we've lived out, the garbage that we've walked out, the stuff that, that makes us embarrassed and feel ashamed, and he says, I don't want you to feel shame anymore. I want to remove that thing from you because you're a child of the Most High King, and I love you, and I see you, and I've designed you to worship me. And so when that stuff gets removed, it should change something in us. And for some of us, we've been in the church long enough that we've forgotten that we don't deserve to be here. Whew, that's true. We don't deserve to be here. You may go, well, I've been living a pretty good life. If you've sinned at all, you don't deserve it. It's only through him that you have the right to be called a son or a daughter of God. When we think about the idea that God removed a debt that we could never pay, he took something from us that we, did, we deserve to die, 
penalty of death for what we've, the way we've lived our lives. But he said, no, no, I'll pay for it. I'll save you. I'll remove that from you. I don't know, but if we as, as believers, honestly, if we would come into this house remembering that, I think our worship time would look a little different. I think our, our praise time would, would be a little louder, would be a little bit more excited. So I want to talk for just a few moments today before we jump back into a time of worship about a couple of things that I think stop us from being who God's called us to be. And the first one is pride. Pride will stop true praise and worship. It is by far one of the greatest stumbling blocks that we have to worship. If you're not careful, you can become proud of your, uh, you can even become proud of your humility. I, have you ever talked to somebody and they're like, they're like, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm meek and humble. And I'm like, dude, you're actually not because you're actually bragging about that right now. Um, but pride is a thing that we all, I think, deal with at times. And for some of us, it looks different than others. For some that maybe you are talented and you can sing and you, or you can play a musical instrument or whatever, you can become proud of that. For others, our pride stops us from even participating in worship because we don't want anybody to think down on us. Well, I don't want to put my hands in the air because what will the person next to me think? I don't want them to, I, whatever. And we, we're always constantly thinking about what others will think. What I love about Pastor Seth and the team that he's assembling is that, that he is very conscious of the fact that he is, even though he's our worship leader, he's our worship pastor. And the thing about being a pastor is this, he also has to be uh, paying attention to the well-being of those who are on this team. Let me explain what that means, because what can happen oftentimes is you'll get people that are like, ooh, this is really cool. I like the stage. I like the sound of the worship team, and I can sing, so I want to be on the team. And so they'll get up on stage, and they'll immediately start saying, I want to lead a song, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want a bigger part, and I want a better role, and all this stuff. And Pastor Seth is very good about going, listen, if I start to see that in somebody, then I'm not going to, I may even not put them on the stage for a while. Or I'm not going to for sure give them a song to sing. Why? Because if your heart is me, 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 then you're not actually worshiping. And if you're going to be on this stage, you should be worshiping when you're out there as much as you'd worship when everybody can see you. But pride can stop us. Pride can, can get in the way. We look at, at, at Lucifer and that's what, that's what manifested itself is his pride. He decided that, hey, I'm, I'm pretty important. I'm a big deal. And out of that, he changed from what he was created to be into something completely different than what he was created to be. And for you and I, we need to understand that that, that same spirit can be in us, the spirit of pride. Lucifer was dismissed from his position and from God's presence. Oftentimes, I think we can get to a place where we begin to wonder where, why we're not sensing God's presence. Well, maybe it's because we've allowed pride to come into our lives. Pride and self-promotion and rebellion, those are all things that, that manifested themselves. An inward sin that manifested outwardly. He inwardly struggled with these things until the climax when he said, as of today, I will no longer worship God, but I will be worshiped. So pride manifested equals I will not praise. 
So if you allow pride to take root inside of you and you begin to walk that thing out, then what will naturally happen is you will not be worshiping God anymore. And that can look different ways. It can be that you stand in a room like this and worship is happening and you keep your hands in your pocket because you don't want anybody to to look at you or to think anything of you and you don't want to be known as some fanatic that puts their hands in the air. I mean, this is just crazy, right? Or you can become somebody who's like, Hey, I want to be seen by everybody. I want everybody to know who I am and I want them to see how talented I am and how good I am. And can I tell you that if you come to that place, you're no longer worshiping him, you're worshiping your own talent. The next one is tradition. Tradition prompt, uh, Traditions prompt us to expect things that are irrelevant in God's kingdom. Let me explain what that means. Human tradition expects people to dress a certain way, to act a certain way, to be a certain way. True worship isn't prescribed by tradition. It springs from a heart that is led by the Spirit. So, in other words, we've got to come to a place where we set aside our expectations and we come and we say, God, what's your expectation? See, God, if you're in charge, then it doesn't matter what I expect. It only matters what you expect. And I want to get to that place. Last night as we were talking about this, I said, there's a lot of times, and even today when we, when we end in a little bit of a time of worship, that you're going to hear me say, hey, you have an opportunity if you want to come to an altar and you want to, you want to spend some time alone with God. And the word altar in church, has, has, we, we actually don't really give, give it much thought anymore. But when we think of an altar, what an altar is, what? It's a place where, where, we, where something is burned, right? Where something is destroyed, it's gone, it's, it's taken away. And so when we come to an altar, the reason this is still called an altar is because we are to come and we're to lay ourselves down on an altar and give ourselves to God completely. I want us to look for just a moment because I think one of the other things, and I'm going to put these two together today, but the first one, uh, number three, is judgment. Um, tradition brings along his friend judgment all the time because it's a, it's a space that, that many of us are comfortable. And number four is a critical spirit. The enemy loves it when people are critical because the trap of a critical spirit will keep a person from becoming a true worshiper. Being critical, many times I'll, I'll talk to people and they feel like they have the gift of criticism. It's not actually a spiritual gift. <laughs> well, I, can, I can step in a room and I can point out seven or eight things that they should do differently and it would be way better. Nobody asked you. <laughs> like, first of all, you're not doing what you should be doing then. If you're coming in and you're crit- critiquing the way things are happening, then you're missing out. Like you should be able to come into a room, and I, and I know this because when I was young in youth ministry, it was right in the time where the church was going through a transition where, where it was going from like almost more hymnal or, or that kind of song to a more modern uh, sound, and there was, there was almost a war within the church that, that the older people were getting upset because there was too much drums and guitar, and, and the younger people were upset because it wasn't loud enough or whatever. Or it was too loud for some people and not loud enough for other people. And it was this constant battle. But what had happened is the church began to make worship about me yeah. instead of about God. 
And where it hit home with me is I was always the one defending the newer style. And then one day I went to a church service and it was all old stuff. And I remember leaving going, oh, that was kind of lame. (laughs) And all of a sudden it hit me and I went, oh, that's exactly what I get upset with the other side for doing. But when I walk into a room and whatever's, whatever songs are being played, whoever's singing them, whatever it sounds like, if I have a heart of a true worshiper, I should be able to worship no matter what. When we judge, condemn, or criticize others, we build a wall that actually separates us from the presence of God. As long as we are pointing out the weaknesses of others, we won't have time to allow God to cleanse us of our own weaknesses. The devil loves that. He loves it if you can point out everybody else's flaws. If you can sit in church and you can go, I wonder what that guy's up to. I wonder what his story is. Why is he worshiping like that or whatever? Because then what's happening is I'm not focused on God anymore. I'm focused on the room. And God's saying, I want your heart. I want you to, I want you to enter in. And that's why it's so important that it, it's not just this. It's just not this, right? It's in our day-to-day life. It's everywhere we go. We should be worshiping. For some of you, you need to turn off the news in your car and you need to turn on worship music in your car. For some of you in your home, the TV, Netflix, all that needs to get shut off for a while, and you need to just let some worship music play in your home. Number five is a religious spirit. A religious person wants to control God instead of surrendering all control to God. A person with a religious spirit is one who refuses to have the fullness of God in his or her life, but true worshipers seek a relationship with God not a religious system that claims to know about him. It goes back to the altar idea, right? Like if I, religion is nice because I can lay out all the rules and the regulations and then I can try and live within this structure and then I can pat myself on the back for doing a good job of living within the structure. But when we talk about the fact that here at River of Life, we're not about religion, but we're about relationship, that sounds really good, but it actually is a place that's uncomfortable for many. Because religion's a little easier because you can know the structure and I can try and live within your rules and then I can pat myself on the back. But relationship says, God, whatever you have for me today, that's who I want to be. And that's a lot more uncomfortable at times, right? Because you're giving God God a blank check. You fill it out however you see fit today, God. Whatever you need for me today, that's who I want to be. And it goes back to that idea of the altar of laying yourself down and saying, I want to be who you've created me to be. The last one is this, and I think this is an important one for us, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because I do want to get to move forward in, in our worship tonight or this morning, but unforgiveness. Forgiveness is not optional if you're a true worshiper. If you're going to come to a place where you are going to, to let, let God be God in your life and you're going to truly worship him, you, it, you put a wall up if you've got this thing between you and your brother. If you've got a thing between you and somebody else in your life, you've got, to, you've got to deal with that. And so even this morning, in just a few moments, when the worship team comes up here, um, I, I'm, my, my hope and my, my dream for today is that as you've looked at this idea of understanding and your perspective has hopefully changed that you understand that God created you to worship. 
that in these last moments, if you're feeling like, man, I feel like there's still something, a wall, a, a, a ceiling, I'm not, I'm not really experiencing all that God has for me, maybe it's this area of unforgiveness, and maybe for you, you need to take a moment during worship and step out into the lobby and make a phone call. Maybe you need to text somebody. Whatever that looks like for you, and you need to go, I'm letting this thing go because the Bible tells me that I'll be forgiven as much as I forgive. And you can go, man, I'm super justified though, Jason. You don't know what this person did. Well, do you know what you did to him? Do you know how many times you've screwed up? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm so grateful that I got a God who forgives. Some believe that Satan wanted to make music the main thing. He wanted it to take precedent over God. And can I just tell you, even in great worshiping churches of today, they can often fall into this trap. They start out worshiping from their heart, but after a while they end up worshiping their own worship and not worshiping God. Music isn't the main thing. It should point you to the main thing. And that's why it's important that we allow, like, it, it's, it's something that will change the way that you live your life if you'll begin to, uh, again, change, the, change what you listen to while you drive to work. Change what you listen to while you're at home. Change what you listen to while you go out for your walk or your jog or whatever. And all of a sudden now, you become this person who is continually being reminded of the greatness of the God that we serve. It's, it's a reminder of the fact that your problems may seem big, but if you are listening to things that are continually telling you how great God is, all of a sudden your problems start to feel smaller. When we stop being a worshiper, we are actually removed from his presence. Some of you will say things like, I don't feel God like I used to. Can I just tell you that when you probably first accepted Christ, you were constantly reminded of where I once was and now I'm, right? We're reminded of I was a mess and now God did this. I, I struggled and now, but sometimes we get to where we sit in the church long enough that we start to feel like, well, I look around and there's a lot messier people than me. But the problem is it doesn't matter how messy you were or even still are. We are, we are made to be worshipers. And so we need to be reminded that God loves you. He saved you. He set you free. He saw you when no one else did. And he, and he brought you out of darkness. And if that doesn't make you want to worship, I don't know what will. A fish will not live without water. A human will not make it without oxygen. And a believer will suffocate without worshiping God. So when you cease to worship you'll begin to solicit worship in, in other areas and in other ways. Why is it that we, we live in a world where, where uh, celebrities are pretty much worshipped? Because it's in us to worship. There's something in us that says we should always look for something to worship. And so when we're not worshiping God, we'll worship something. And I don't know about you, but on that day when I stand before God, I want to be in a position where I know what it is to worship because eternity is going to be worship. So let's practice. We need to praise. It was, uh, it was a few years ago we went on a family vacation and we were in North Carolina and we actually drove into South Carolina and we found ourselves by uh, an Air Force base and at the Air Force base was a base where they would, they would practice with the, with the jets 
And so apparently it had gotten pretty loud for the neighborhood. Uh, those who lived anywhere near there, it was very loud because these jets would come in and they would practice their takeoffs and their landings and they would fly from there. And, uh, and so uh, they put up a sign right outside of the military base and it says this, I'm standing in a way, pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. And, uh, and I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's amazing, I love it. And so when we came back to River, we were doing something with the window, so I said, hey, can you put that up on the window? And I think we've got a picture to show you. It's right out here. Pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. How many of you know that we should be reminded of the fact that the God of the universe loves us and he brought us freedom when we didn't deserve it? And so honestly, this place should be pretty noisy. It should be pretty noisy. And so I know for some of you, you sit back when it's time to sing and, and maybe you don't even fully understand why are we singing. Can I just tell you there's something freeing about as we sing and bring glory and honor to God, it's a constant reminder to our spirit of who he is and how much he can do inside of our lives. The other thing that I think that worship is, is I think it's a battle cry. I think for some of you, you, you sit here today and you're in the middle of the battle. You feel the struggle. You feel as though there's a lot of things in your life that aren't the way that you wish that they were and, and you're, maybe you're struggling with relationship or your children or your finances or whatever that thing is and to be able to come into a place and to be able to just say, you know what, God, it's not mine to deal with. I'm gonna hand this to you and so I'm gonna just worship you and I'm gonna praise you and I'm gonna remind myself of how great you are. Then all of a sudden now this weight becomes not ours to carry anymore. And for some of you, because you've bought into this thing where you don't want anybody to think bad of you or think less of you, or people are going to think, oh man, if I go to that altar and I pray, then people are going to assume I've got some big problem in my life. So what? Whether you have a big problem or a small problem or no problem and you just want to worship God, who cares what anybody else thinks? We have an audience of one. And he calls you to worship. He designed you to worship. So much so that when, when his head worship leader got fired, he said, I don't need another one of those. I've got these guys. We need to worship him. I'm going to ask the team to come and start getting ready. In just a moment, they're going to lead us in some more worship. But no matter where you are in this journey... There's something about being humbled in a place where you can say, you know what, I'm going to worship God and I don't care what anybody else thinks. For some of you today, I believe that in the next few moments as we spend some time in worship, I believe that there are some of you who you've never, maybe you've never raised your hands. You've just been like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't even really understand it. Can I tell you all that that means is you're saying, God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to what you have for me. I am understanding that you are the Lord of my life and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because I'm gonna put my hands in the air. For some of you, you've, done, you've, you've been involved where you've worshiped and you've even felt at times where the spirit has tugged you. You should go to that altar or you should lay some stuff down that you're struggling with or whatever and you've, you've, you've fought it. Nah, that's, that's for other people. That's not for me. Anytime that there's that little inner struggle, 
The voice that's telling you to stay in your seat is not the one you should be listening to. In just a few moments, there's going to be some prayer teams that are going to be down here, and they're going to make themselves available if you need prayer for anything. And some of you, you've, you've thought, oh, I could really use some prayer, but I don't want to walk down in front of all those people. Because again, what will they think? They'll probably think it's something big, some big deal. Can I just tell you that if we're church and we're family, when we see somebody come to an altar or we see somebody come for prayer or we see somebody worshiping God, that should make our heart feel amazing. So if you're worried that somebody's going to be judging you, then they've got a critical spirit and they got their own mess to deal with. So instead of being worried about it, you should pray for them. Man, God help them. Help them to set aside their critical spirit so that they can understand what true worship feels like and looks like. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, and then the worship team is going to lead us in some, some more worship. But I just, I really feel like, I know it's Sunday morning, and you've probably got other stuff lined up to do today. But I, we specifically shortened the beginning so that we have a little bit more time here at the end. And I want you to be uncomfortable a little bit this morning. I want you to step out of what's comfortable for you. And I want you to be able to be in a place where you can say, God, I understand now that you created me to worship. And so that's what I'm going to do today. How many of you know that we put it on the outside of the building, but I'd like it to become known in East Missoula. That place is noisy. There's a lot of noise that comes from that place. I don't want to be a bad neighbor, but I also want them to go, why are they so noisy over there? Because it's the sound of freedom. Amen? God, we just pray right now, Father, that as we worship you, that, God, you would be glorified in this house. That, God, we'd be reminded that you called us out of darkness and into your glorious light. So, Father God, right now, in Jesus' name, we give you this time. It is all about you. Amen. Will you worship with us? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.